the Lion, the Witch, and the audacity of that bitch. In general. People are trying to find out where we get the audacity. It's a free download. Um, it's a pretty decent audio recording software that's been free for yeah. a very long time. So, And the cat has already left us. And she's already kind of... She's been obsessed with the playmats for... Yeah. Well... Like, like really invested in them for the past couple of days. Yeah, she, uh... Like, I'm not going to find a new place for them. Like, the, where they live is fine. And she's not, like, breaking anything. Like, they're made of... They're very, they're very flexible material. Yeah. It's just frustrating and loud when we record the podcast, specifically. Or when we're just kind of trying to live our lives. Eh. I'm more okay with that. Anyway, welcome... Episode 10. Episode 10. Episode 10 of the Dungeon Bros Podcast. I'm Connor. And I'm Sam. And uh, we're finally starting to figure out how to podcast, yeah. I think. I, at least for our recording software, you have yeah, to futz with it a lot less. Yeah, I'm, I, the futzing has gone down orders of magnitude. Yes. Which is exceptionally useful. But 10 episodes. We're, we're 20 weeks into this, bitch. We are. We're, uh, I think we said six months we'll do a we'll do an eval of how we're... How we're how are podcasting? I think we've we've done a, a selfie val already, and we're like, okay. Yeah, the, view, the views, I mean, more views would always be better. Yeah. But we're not really trying to push it right now. No, nah, this fine. is mostly a reason for us to hang out and talk about Dungeons & Dragons every two weeks, specifically. Yeah, and, and also uh, an excuse for us to actually use TikTok Live. Yeah. <laughs> we're not very good at the live streaming on the TikTok I'm, right now. I mean, a lot of the... D&D stuff we do currently is either playing a game, which we don't necessarily... We're not ready to stream an actual play game. We're getting close. We're getting close. We need some more gear, but we, we are we are dangerously close to some live play D&D action. Yeah. Which is very exciting. And other than that, we do... I mean, we do a lot of the homebrewing. A lot of homebrew. But oh, we kind of do that it. on our own time, not together, and we don't really... We don't really talked about game design theory between ourselves. Maybe that'll be episode 12 of the podcast. Episode 11 of the podcast, which is going to be our next one, we're going to be diving deep into uh, topic one of the news items today, uh, dropping just yesterday as we record. But uh, we'll, we'll get to that momentarily, Samuel. What, what's up with the TikTok algorithm? <laughs> the TikTok algorithm, you know, as we're, you'll say. We're, um, what do we, we decided we started like last September, I think we, we figured it out yeah, late like September, mid, mid, late September. Something yeah. Like that. Uh, and, and up to this point, we have no idea what people are going to like at any point in time. Zero, zero idea. Some of our favorite bits, the most favoritest of bits that we've done. The ones we have to re- try and redo like three or four times because we bust out laughing while we're yeah. recording them. Um, struggle to hit a thousand views and then like throw away stitches that we do with say a slightly muscular man saying what if you worked out four to five times a week uh that one will get over seven hundred and fifty thousand views in two days yeah it's our second most viewed video of all time behind us uh slapping each other's butts with salem yeah which was a it was a lovely time it was a good bit it wasn't a one million view bit but apparently we I'm were wrong argue with it though i'm not gonna argue with it either i mean this current one just kind of isn't really slowing at the moment. No. I mean, by the time this podcast releases, it'll probably have chilled out a little bit. Well, I mean, we've got uh, another week before this podcast releases. Yeah, I mean... Who knows what's going to happen? It might be our top viewed video by then, which is 
weird something like at least our other two of our other top two videos before this one were very were like yeah very specifically D D like jokes oh yeah this yeah so the butt slapping one is just funny in general mm-hmm. um and the only tie to D that it had was the 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 text at the bottom we didn't even put text on the video no. This one this one is decidedly D&D content and um it feels like every couple of minutes we're getting a comment and it feels like we get a like every minute and and a lot of the comments are people wanting wanting to find a group to play D&D. Yeah, you can join our Discord server. It's a great spot. There's a link in our bio on on TikTok. I've been trying to tell people that in the mm-hmm. comment section as often as I can. Uh, as well as the video description of this podcast on YouTube, you can find a link, an invite link to our Discord server. Um, I don't think we've we've discussed it heavily, but in the future, a possibility of a Patreon. Mm-hmm. I would like to keep the Discord server open to anyone and everyone. Absolutely. There, there are a lot of Patreon exclusive Discords, which I'm totally in favor of too. Um, one of my favorite Discord servers that I'm a part, one of like the three Discord servers that I'm a part of, is a Patreon exclusive one. And I think it'd be fun if we could set up like a Patreon exclusive section of the Discord and like additional ranks to give people who are various tiers of Patreon support. Mm-hmm. If we ever did that, yeah. But uh, the, we want the Discord to stay free and open. We want to we want to create an environment where people can get together and play D and D on their own without us. Because a lot of people want to play with us. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. A lot of people. Uh, a lot of women want to play with us, which is really weird to me. I'm not used women will talk to you? Yeah, I'm not used to that in general. Well, well, you have a girlfriend. Yeah, and most of my friends are female. Yeah. Um, so I was completely lying. <laughs> but the <laughs> but that mentality of of it's we it's weird so many people wanting to play D&D with us. And and there's some there's been some thirst in the comments as well. Like there's a lot of we we randomly get thirst mostly for you. And that I that I really don't get. Because yeah. I mean, I know I know I'm very attractive, very attractive. And I know that can be very intimidating for people like you to be mm-hmm. around me all the time like that. Yes, um, absolutely. <laughs> but I feel like more more thirst should be thrown at Sam. Maybe if you gained a couple pounds, uh, got more lumberjacky instead mm. of in and like thicker, more unkempt of a beard. Then maybe you'd be getting more of the of the thirst. Maybe, maybe I should just exclusively start wearing red buffalo plaid flannel shirts. That that would definitely help. That would definitely help. Also, if I worked like worked muscles and not just like the running. Yeah. Well. Anyway, let's actually get let's actually get into the news. We've got quite a few news items of uh, varying levels of interest. The most important news item number one. This dropped yesterday as we mm-hmm. were recording, and so we haven't had a chance to really dive deep into this but wizards of the coast has a new unearthed arcana that released on march 8th uh this one is drag a dragon lance setting and it's got some player options uh it's got one race the kender uh it's got two subclasses the sorcerer subclass of lunar magic and no, it's just one. No, it's got one subclass, the sorcerer subclass of lunar <laughs> magic. It's got two backgrounds: the knight of Salamnia and the mage of high sorcery. Uh, and it's got quite a few feats: yeah. divinely favored, initiate of high sorcery, squire of Samenlia, a couple adept ofs, 
black robes, red robes, and white robes, divine communications, knight of the crown, knight of the sword, knight of the robe. A whole lot of Dragonlance-specific setting stuff. Yeah. Which is really cool. Um, we've we've discussed previously about what we know and what we don't know about upcoming 2022 Wizards of the Coast releases. Um, we theorized that with Fizzbins coming out and how popular that yeah. one is and the heavy Dragonlance inspiration that we'd be getting a Dragonlance setting. And uh, this UA really kind of cements that, I would say. And just as a reminder for people who don't necessarily know, UA is playtest material that Wizards is trying to uh, get out there a little ahead of time and see how uh, the community reacts. And this is kind of our, our large overview. Like we said, we'll talk more about it next week. Yeah, we haven't had a chance to really dive into the details of all the features mm-hmm. uh, that are available. Uh, the Kender apparently is a long-standing, uh, somewhat controversial race from what I've been seeing online. I don't know the details of it yet. Um, but it seems like Wizards of the Coast is just apparently changing it up a little bit. I don't know how, and I don't know the historical context of that, so that's all I'm going to say about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of the Lunar Magic Sorcerer subclass, of, as we have discussed in the Dungeon Bros podcast lore, um, the moon works for us. Yeah. So if you play a Lunar Magic Sorcerer, you're welcome. Um, that's entirely on us. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's our, it's our, it's our uh, it's entire, honor. Yes, it is our honor. Uh, some setting specific backgrounds always a good time the feats are what's really interesting there's a lot of them there are like more so than pretty much any other pack i've really seen up to this point and several of them require a previous feat as a prerequisite in addition to level so i think they might be leaning we've discussed briefly uh when talking about feats the idea of more openness with giving out and taking feats Mm -hmm. instead of just at ASIs. And it looks like this setting might encourage handing out the Squire of Salamnia and the Initiate of High Sorcery or Divinely Favored as just a free feat to give your players at the beginning, which I'm always going to be in favor of. Right. Um, And then the other feats available are feats you can take after having those base level. Yeah, definitely. If if Wizards is listening to the community... um, the feats are one of the things and especially in the past couple months we've heard a lot of discussion about where people would like more feats to be you know more opportunities for feats to be given out and of course dms should be giving out feats at their discretion for their for their game as long as they communicate with their players about what level of game play they want to have um but yeah it's definitely an older an older edition idea that feats require other feats up to this point any prerequisites have been can cast magic or have certain AS ability scores. Yeah. Um, they haven't even had really uh, level caps on feats yet. Yeah. It's more of like an Eldritch Invocation thing, and a lot of these feats have a requirement of being at least fourth level, which is basically you can't take it as a variant human. Right, yes. <laughs> Essentially. Like, you'll be able to take it at your first ASI, mm-hmm. um, which kind of makes sense if they're pushing these first three feats as feats that you give at level one or right at the start of a game then it would be kind it kind of wouldn't make sense for a player to get that and then variant human and then get the next version of that like at the same time yeah because obviously the next ones are uh, it goes from initiate to adept and squire to knight so this is supposed to be some sort of um almost uh, uh um level up in its own its own way as some lore based leveling instead yeah. of a just uh level instead of just xp or milestone leveling that a dm would control 
Uh, Dragonlance is a setting that I am not familiar with. Uh, my older brother and my father have given me hell for not reading the Dragonlance books because they are supposedly very, very good. And uh, with my uh, adoration of Lord of the Rings and D&D, they are just dumbfounded by the fact that I haven't read these books and really don't have a desire. That's mostly just my aversion to reading in general. Hmm. And we I don't have I don't have time. I don't have time. So much. That. We, there's so much media consumption that we do anyway. Between podcasts, TV shows, movies that it's, come out rapidly these days. It genuinely stresses me out the concept of trying to like how can I fit in an audiobook or how can I fit in sitting down and reading in addition to all of the other stuff that I consume on a weekly basis that I want to continue and not fall behind on. Mm-hmm. It's just. It's a lot. Anyway, do you have any other thoughts about this UA? Um, we, will, we will be going into detail about the features, the ra- like everything uh, in the next podcast, podcast episode 11. Again, this UA has only been out for a day. 24, basically 24 hours at this point. Um, it, we, it looks super interesting. I'm excited to uh, look into it. These, fe- these feats are particularly interesting. Worthy of picks? Wor- I, uh, on the surface level? Yeah, because uh, a lot of the a lot of them have half. A, I, I see a half ASI feat here. I see free spells. Um, yeah, good, 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 good time. All right, we will consume those over the next two weeks and get back to you. News item number two: Dungeons and Dragons dives into Critical Role Call of the Nether Deep. They're doing a lot of previews for the Call of the Nether Deep. Uh, Comicbook.com had an exclusive on uh, interviewing. Uh, Matt Mercer and uh, Chris Perkins and some of the other uh, writers and designers for Call of the Netherdeep. Again, for those of you that don't know, Call of the Netherdeep is going to be an official D&D campaign, an adventure book. It's not a setting. that takes place in the world of Exandria for Critical Role. It's going to take. It's going to start out on Wildmount, going to move to Marquette, and then eventually to uh, a magical underwater realm of Netherdeep. And uh, they really talk a lot about the 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 effect that that underwater nether deep has on uh monsters and they show a couple of horrifying images i think this are awesome they're really cool the uh corrupted giant shark is one of them the death embrace which looks like a flump on steroids and the light devourer a, a creature that literally devours the light and creates darkness around them yeah uh there's a lot of details in this interview, and they've been releasing a lot of video interviews with Matt Mercer in the lead-up to this with uh, uh, D&D Beyond on YouTube. Uh, I haven't watched all of them. I've, I've taken a look at a couple of things, but uh, I'm definitely really pumped about The Call of the Nether Deep. It comes out March 15th in the United States and April 5th in Europe. Mm-hmm. Suck it, lobsterbacks. <laughs> Brits. <laughs> We're American. <laughs> If that wasn't already obvious, if that wasn't already abundantly clear, <laughs> what do you what do you got? What do you, what do you, what are your vibes? What vibes are you getting off of Call of the Nether Deep? Um, I mean, I'm I'm always excited for uh, new content, and especially with these um, monster, the bestiary photos that they've included in here. Like these look super cool. Um, I mean, in the article, it does uh, some of the questions. This this one is specifically about the interview with Chris Perkins. And um, he he very much says I was pretty hands off on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this is this is Matt Mercer, almost all the way where 
um, you know, Matt pretty much and uh, another a collaborator, Joey. I don't want to hate Come it. Come on, you got it. You got it. Hake it. Hake it. Hake. Hake. Yeah, sure. H a e c k. I'm terrible at pronunciations. My apologies to uh, the author, um, Joey, to the author Joey. In this case, uh, it, it was all them, and he says it gives it a very different flavor than a lot of the other D and D content that has come out in the past couple of years. I mean, D and D specific content versus Critical Role based D and D content definitely have different vibes to them. Uh, one thing that I have learned from between Darrington Press and the other official Critical Role releases, uh, especially in partnership with Wizards of the Coast, the content and the quality of it is very high. Uh, Critical Role does a very good job of going out and finding talented, enthusiastic artists. And I expect Call of the Netherdeep will be more of the same in that regard. Uh, the art for the monsters that they show in this article are very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the art that they put in the thumbnails for the YouTube videos as well. Very, very good. All a good time. I mean, we buy pretty much any uh, Critical Role D&D book that's been released. We've got Taldori Reborn in front of us as we record right now. We discussed Taldori Reborn, I believe, two episodes ago. I believe so. I believe it was eight. Something like that. I think it was seven, actually. Seven or eight. One of those. We had a re- I think it was seven because we had to re-record it. Oh, that's right. We did have to re-record it. It was seven. Yeah. Wow, that sucked. <laughs> Let's not do that again. No, no. But uh, called the Nether Deep again, March fifteenth. If you are in the United States or most of the other world, Europe, you get it in April, beginning of April, April fifth. Yeah, twenty days later. Um, like we will be getting this book. This would normally have been the topic of episode eleven of the podcast. This will probably be the topic of episode twelve because we want to dive into the UA as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on how long that discussion goes, we may talk a little bit about Call of the Nether Deep, sort of first impression, initial reactions next week. But in the meantime, next news item, Sam. Next up, Wizards of the Coast has sent a takedown notice to the organizer of the fan-made Magic NFT project. Um, Of course, Magic the Gathering, another one of uh, the uh, products uh, created and sold by Wizards of the Coast since its inception in 1993. Basically, what's going on here is... uh, this anonymous uh, author who has an, a deep interest in um, NFTs and the blockchain came up with a more or less business plan to create an online um, online marketplace for a NF- for the NFTs of Magic the Gathering cards. Um, and and Wizards of the Coast, uh, based on intellectual property law. Um, said that this was infringement. Yeah, well, I mean, they were very polite about it. Yeah. Uh, they, the uh, MTG DAO uh, is the fan project, and they tweeted out some screenshots of emails that they got from uh, Wizards of the Coast and their lawyers, and they were very polite. Uh, they they show they appreciated the enthusiasm for Magic the Gathering. They appreciated it, but at the same time, they can't really allow this to happen because they literally are the idea is literally just taking Magic the Gathering cards as printed as mm-hmm. currently made and building them uh, on the blockchain with NFTs. Uh, Wizards of the Coast did kind of allude to hinting at their own sort of digital marketplace uh, beyond just Magic the Gathering Arena could be NFTs. I would really as, as we discussed very fervently this morning. Yeah, we had a long discussion about this. I, I am 
anti NFT. <laughs> I I'm I could go I could go either way on crypto. Crypto makes sense. NFTs just feel like a pyramid scheme to me in their current form. And I might look like, that might sound like an idiot in ten years. I'm willing to risk that because it really all just kind of feels like a scam at the moment. And I mean, even these guys, the the road to hell paved with good intentions. It's clear they love Magic the Gathering. Mm -hmm. It's clear that they want to try and fix some of the problems of card scarcity and uh, value and printing runs for Magic the Gathering from Wizards of the Coast. But, I mean, can't really infringe on intellectual property. Yeah. And it just, it tying it to NFTs, to me, I know that you are somewhat of a different mind, but to me it feels a lot of, uh, unnecessary to put NFTs into everything right now. I can I I can see I can see where it could go, but yeah, at this point I'm I'm not huge on the NF I'm not on the NFT train by any means and I also do find it funny that most people who are into it just understand it has a chance to make money. Um it it just feels so schemy. But that being said, um uh basically another uh, the the white pa it's called the white paper the mtgdao white paper it is uh hello jester hello the bean has joined us you are just perfect it is um available to read online it is i think seven pages and not full it's not you know it's not the, it's not some weird like corporate speak either nope. like it's it's very much just like a guy yeah <laughs> um but uh, I do find one thing interesting in there is, and in this article he mentions that uh, he wants, we, again, we're assuming that's a he, um, this, this, this creator has an interest in, in you know, creating this, obviously making money for it, and then using that money that he made to eventually buy uh, the rights of Magic the Gathering from Wizards of the Coast and, and give it, give it to the community or basically make this uh, group the full make the community or this group the full uh, Magic the Gathering owners. Which, very lofty goal. Very lofty goal. Indeed. Um, I, don't, I don't think like sometimes I think just numbers are like bandied about and people don't really consider it. Like a million dollars is a lot of money. The as we will discuss in the next story, the 1.29 billion dollars in full year revenue from Wizards of the Coast in 2021 is an unfathomably large amount of money for anyone to really comprehend, unless you're already dealing in hundreds of millions of dollars at a time. Yeah, um, I think that's a little bit unrealistic. Uh, one one thing that I find a little bit ironic here. Um, he complains a little bit about the Magic the Gathering secondary market, sort of like a fiat economy of uh, cards where their value can like skyrocket or crater at any given time, and he wants to try and stabilize that when that's exactly what is happening in the crypto and NFT market right now. The value of things can go up and down with seeming no reason. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we can you send know. send Dogecoin to the moon. I mean, I... <laughs> Man, I was on the I was on the Dogecoin's gonna hit a dollar train for a while. Man, what, once there's like a solid cryptocurrency that hits just like a re like one to ten dollars and can like stably be there, then cryptocurrency can be like a legitimate currency that people would consider using. But like Bitcoin being 
probably around like 60,000, 50,000 like 50, right now. 50,000 at this time. I mean, that's just an unrealistic number unless they wanted to like just move some decimal points around and just kind of artificially change the value of Bitcoin, which would be I a mean, massive. I mean, you can buy partial Bitcoin. Yeah, I know. It's a whole It's a whole I, thing. It's a whole thing. Um we are no by no means experts on cryptocurrency, NFTs or or the stock market, so I, is, I would I would I would consider us um Amateur to low intermediate in stocks, ETFs, and then amateur in cryptocurrency. No clue about NFTs. We need to take I, a feat. We've tried. We need to take the NFT feat for <laughs> sure. I've tried to learn about NFTs. I have no clue, and I feel like the people that do supposedly know what's going on with NFTs, they don't sound like they know what's going on. <laughs> they just kind of talk in circles a whole lot, and it's like, uh, anyway. Anyway, that, that brings us to our next, actually, story. Like you were saying, uh, go ahead. Topic, th- topic three, Wizards of the Coast spinoff from Hasbro. We discussed it briefly last week. Mm-hmm. The idea, um, it is Alta Fox Capital. It is an activist investor group that owns about 2.5% of Hasbro, uh, one of the majority shareholders of Hasbro. And they have been pushing very, very heavily for Wizards of the Coast to spin off uh, in a tax-free way from Hasbro, because they see Hasbro as an entity holding Wizards of the Coast back. They have an entire website up uh, that has a letter to shareholders. It's freethewizards.com. It's got a 100-slide investor presentation as well. Very dense. We're not going to get into any of that. But uh, Connor Haley is the founder of AltaFox Capital. I want to shout out Connor, because I am a Connor. And he spells his name properly with an O-R at the end instead of an E-R, and I respect that very much. I respect that. I do not respect E.R. Connors. Hmm. I don't like them. They give us all a bad name. Literally. It looks stupid. It's got, like, Connor has a lot of symmetry in the middle of the, in the, middle of the name with, like, a little flare at the front, flare at the back, and then it's symmetrical in the hmm. middle. But if you throw that second O out and you put an E there, then it's not symmetrical anymore. It just throws off the look of the name entirely. I think you've put way too much thought into this. I've been a Connor my entire life. I've put a lot of thought into this. And who's, and whose fault is that? It's your and parents' fault. I, lo- I love my parents, and I love my name. <laughs> Connor Haley, uh, he points out that 71% of Hasbro's intrinsic value is currently being held by the Wizards of the Coast uh, section of Hasbro, which has a built-in fan base for decades between Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and & Dragons. Uh, they they call Wizards of the Coast Hasbro's sort of hidden gem. It's kind of keeping them afloat. Uh, they did not specify revenue for Wizards of the Coast over the past 20 years, but they talk about 2021. In February, the Wizards segment was listed as a separate business spe- uh, segment of the company to highlight its growth specifically. In the fiscal year of 2021, the Wizards of the Coast segment had a year-over-year growth of 42%, full-year revenue, revenue, full revenue at $1.29 billion mm-hmm. for just Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and & Dragons. Uh, AltaFox believes Wizards contributed to around 50% of the overall EBITDA for Hasbro in fiscal year 2021. If you want to tell me what that acronym is, I would appreciate that. We could have looked this up beforehand, but we didn't. We didn't. I, I don't really have a desire. 
Wizards of the Coast has grown at a compounded annual growth rate in the double digits for the last 10 years. Magic the Gathering revenue was up for the fourth consecutive year in 2021, marking 12 of the last 13 years that Magic the Gathering has grown on a year-over-year basis. And Dungeons and Dragons revenue was up for the ninth consecutive year in 2021. There's a Magic the Gathering animated series expected to be released on Netflix in the second half of 2022. There's a film based on Dungeons and Dragons that's scheduled for a 2023 theatrical release. And they go on to list a whole lot of, like, all of the benefits. They believe that if they spun off Wizards of the Coast from Hasbro, the shares of Wizards of the Coast would be worth upwards of $100 or $200 per share today, if it happened. Currently, the share price, as of the writing of this article for Hasbro as a whole, is at $97.98, and they believe that it would over the, immediately grow from a spinoff, and then if they continue to be uh, spun off, they believe that the share price could be worth over $200, and even upwards of $300 if all of their supposed changes in upper management, middle management, uh, and their idea for the corporate structure of Wizards of the Coast. Um, this is a lofty, lofty, lofty goal. Um, when you look at the numbers of it, Wizards of the Coast, the Wizards of the Coast branch of Hasbro, I think we've all kind of colloquially understood that that's been what yeah has been propping up Hasbro. Uh, Hasbro is a big company. They've got a lot of market cap, a lot of a lot of a lot of revenue, a lot of toys, a lot of verticals that they're working. Yeah, in. a lot of com- a lot of brands under their name. But especially in the last decade. Dungeons and Dragons has blown up. Magic the Gathering has had a massive resurgence. I mean, I feel like we are currently in the heyday of the core offerings of Wizards of the Coast right now. Mm -hmm. And spinning them off from Hasbro, creating their own entity, would force Hasbro to have to restructure to get their, which would make Hasbro-specific toys and other verticals better their stock price would then go up because they're improving as a company and then wizards of the coast can continue on their trajectory without being hindered by these other services that they're and other products that they're having to kind of prop up under hasbro i don't think it'll happen <laughs> uh alta fox is as they note at the very top of this uh article they're act they're they are an activist investor group and activist investor groups tend to be groups of investors that just go into companies and try and change things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2.5% of a company, is, especially as large as Hasbro, is nothing to scoff at. I mean, no. that's a multi-billion dollar corporation that you own 2.5% of. Like, that's tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. I know how math works. It's definitely hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be interesting to see what Wizards of the Coast could do if it were kind of allowed off the leash, kind of like unbound from Hasbro. But because they are propping Hasbro up and the massive shakeup that it would have on the on the corporate level, it's an up it's an uphill battle. Yeah. Um I'm not I'm not one that wants to go in and force companies to restructure if I don't think they're doing well. Um because in a lot of ways, I feel like the people that are doing the day-to-day at these corporations probably know a little bit more than us. Um, so hearing it from one of the investor groups that is on, that is clearly 
privy to a lot of the corporate goings on at Hasbro is it's interesting insight. Uh, it's kind of clear that they're making all of this very, very public mm-hmm. to try and garner public support and kind of pressure the board into doing what they want. Again, that's just part of doing business in yeah. a capitalist society. I am personally in favor of it, but I'm not going to be putting any of my weight behind it. <laughs> I know that much. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we can, we as as small, uh, piddly individual people in this world, um, yeah, we can sign a petition and we can go, woo. Um, but that being said, yeah, as, as far as... Uh, as far as as Hasbro's probably concerned, yeah, Hasbro doesn't want to give up their their money maker. Yeah, not at all. No. Um, but that being said, the business world is insane, and people do things that we have no idea why they would do them. Yeah, I mean, um, Microsoft buys Activision, Activision, PlayStation buys Bungie. Yeah, like corporate consolidation and like things are changing in a lot of entertainment industries right now. I mean, even recently, our uh, the city that we are recording from is close to Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and Cincinnati is becoming one of the hubs for Hollywood. Yeah, there's been so many movies that have been shot in Cincinnati in the last five years, and it's only getting more because of tax incentives and Hollywood going away from Hollywood. Yeah, and I mean, in general, a lot of Ohio actually, I know. Um... Like there's just so much open space, and that's cheap mm-hmm. to get a hold of. That they tax can, incentives. And yeah, the, I mean the event, like part of the Avengers, was shot in Ohio. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, uh, also, another thing is corporate dealings like this, where you know p- breaking off part of a company or acquiring a company or trading parts of company. These things can take years at minimum. Oh yeah. And most of the time, these are behind closed doors. So anything we're seeing right now could just disappear and we don't hear anything because there's some sort of deals going on until a year, two years down the line. Exactly. We, we can, we can only speculate what's going to happen. Now, um, the Alta Fox capital group from what it, from how they've been wording everything, it feels like they put this proposal forward, uh, in the, at the corporate level as a proposal to the board. And then in a, in a way to garner more support for that, they went public with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the publicity for inner workings of corporations is a powerful negotiation tool to get change to happen how you want it to happen. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see updates from AltaFox going forward. Mm-hmm. But this is definitely, if, if this were to happen, and that's a very big if, is a very very big if there might be they might agree to some corporate restructuring and new hires and different positions um but a full-on spin-off of wizards of the coast is i would i would say it's probably not going to happen no which is a shame because i think it would be good for it'd be really good for wizards of the coast and it would force hasbro to have to make the necessary changes for them to make their other business models better Mm mm-hmm it would be a long-term win-win, but at the same time, why would you give up your cash cow? Yeah. So. And anything good for Wizards of the Coast is going to be good for the Wizards of the Coast community. For fans, for D&D, for Magic Gathering, for us. Hmm? It'll be good. So, Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, if you're looking to hire somebody. <laughs> oh, man. If you need somebody to do a podcast. Oh, Yo. We got you. Though you already have somebody doing We will sell out immediately immediately sell out 
Or if you need people to create more content. If you need content writers. Content. Ooh, yeah. 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 I could be persuaded. Yeah. Write, write, a, write a fat enough check. I will do most anything. I'm okay with admitting that. All right. Yeah. I mean... Well, uh, those, are, those are the main topics. Let's get to a wrap-up now. First, WizKids bringing two new dragons for the Dungeons & Dragons line. Uh, they've already released a couple, the adult metallic dragon. They have an adult silver dragon now. It's the second uh, metallic dragon that they're going to be releasing. Uh, it's going to be a huge... It'll be a huge mini in terms of scale. Uh, it'll cost $99, and they are expecting it to release in July of 2022. The figure is pictured uh, in this article on comicbook.com. It's flying, it's silver, it's metallic. But the big one, the big one, both figuratively and literally, is Balagos, the ancient red dragon. It's got a 24-inch wingspan, 18 inches tall. Uh, it's one of the most famous red dragons from the Forgotten Realms. He's believed to be the true ruler of all dragons. He has not appeared in any D&D adventures so far, uh, so a lot of people are speculating that WizKids is going to have this named dragon in one of their upcoming D&D adventures. Uh, why else would they be making uh, the very nice mini? Uh, it is very large. They show a comparison photo with a digital soda can for scale. <laughs> it is quite large. Large. Uh, it is the third gargantuan dragon figure that they've released following Arviaturis, an ancient white dragon that appeared in Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frost Maiden Adventure, and the gargantuan figure of Tiamat, the five-headed dragon goddess, Balagos, will retail for a price of $399.99 and is expected to come out sometime in June of 2022. Yes, I would love. I love a dragon. We've got. We've got. I don't a couple think we're gonna buy this one. Though. Yeah, that's a that's, that's four hundred dollars. Four hundred. <laughs> the big dragon we have was a gift. Was my was a birthday gift for me from one of our friends. Yeah. If if anyone wants to give us a gift, we will happily accept yeah. Balakos because uh, that would that would be a top shelf of the shelving unit display piece for sure. Uh, I mean, I don't think it would fit comfortably in the shelf. So in the shelf. So no. But. Uh, yeah, this is interesting that they are uh, deciding to release more of these ginormous, really expensive miniatures. Um, I mean, the profit margins on them have to be insane. insane. Um, it's a lot of work, I'm sure, but it it's going to be really, really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, item two. Same. Item two. Avalon Hill has teased on Twitter the third edition of Betrayal at House on a Hill. Um so not D&D related or Magic the Gathering related, but we are we at this house are big fans of Betrayal at House on the Hill. There is a copy of the second edition sitting right here. Behind, under, Je behind Jester. Behind there, the I'll cat. Pull, I'll pull it aside. You um, might be able to see it there. Yeah, she's so chill about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the first edition of Betrayal at House on the Hill, I believe, was popularized through, um, through uh, uh, Will Wheaton. Um, mm -hmm. His, he, he, he. Has, he has or had ha, has had a series where he just plays board games. Oh, yeah. And uh, Betrayal House on the Hill 1st Edition is now basically uh, uh, super expensive and unable to come by because of that show. Second, they did a second printing a couple years ago, and now they're uh, talking about releasing a third printing, which will correct some of the old mistakes that they found in mm -hmm. the game, as well as eliminate eight older um, haunts and bring in eight new ones. Yep. Uh, the original... Betrayal was released in 2004, the follow-up was in 2010, and they have released a couple of expansions and spin-offs. In 2016, Widow's Walk, 2017's Betrayal at Baldur's Gate, and 2018's Betrayal 
Legacy. <laughs> it's a very fun game. Uh, seems a lot more complicated than it is. It and it can be. Uh, but some of the haunts are... like it, you, you can play that game a hundred times and have a different, very, very different experience every single time. Oh, yeah. with Because uh, we have the Widow's Walk expansion, um, which... So there are 150 haunts. So there's 150 outcome or like 150 different scenarios and different sets of rules that the game adds um, halfway through. It's great fun. If you've never played it, I highly recommend it. Like Connor said, it it seems complicated from the outside, but once you get into it, it's it's honestly it's one of those games that's not bad at all not to bad. learn. It's very good. It's very good. Next. Wizards of the Coast shared a first look into their upcoming Magic the Gathering release, Streets of New Capenna. Set in a new world inspired by neo-noir aesthetics and Metropolis-style art direction. Although details remain scarce, as official previews don't kick off until April 7th, Wizards did provide an exciting glimpse into some of the upcoming cards, themes, and even special edition treatments that are sure to get all types of Magic players excited for the next standard release. Uh, They've got some new cards... Uh, some interesting new lands that are kind of like a... They have a lot of dual lands in Magic the Gathering. Uh, these seem to be triple lands that have cycling uh, available to them. Uh, they've got a product schedule uh, starting... They get some story releases starting in March. Uh, a story video in March. Um, the pre-release events are going to start on April 22nd at your local game shops. And then the official full release is going to be on April 29th of this year and of course you're going to have game days in May and then store championships will start in July Magic the Gathering is always cool uh, it's interesting that they are releasing kind of like a noir style kind of crime family sort of thing they have five families of new Capenna and all of these families are associated with three colors mm-hmm. uh, interesting because three colored uh Match of the Gathering decks are often very, very difficult to build. Um, but it's interesting. Obscura, white, blue, black. Maestros, blue, black, red. Riveteers, black, green, red. Cabaretti, red, green, white. And then Brokers, green, white, and blue. I can tell you right now that Brokers deck of green, white, and blue is going to annoy a lot of fucking people. Because <laughs> blue deck, green decks are frustrating with... They're high mana and high mana creatures. And then the blue decks are going to be very infuriating with the counters and the stopping and the... And then white, of course, just... I mean, it says they're demonic lawyers, so... Yeah. You know how people feel about lawyers. Yep. Uh, They've got a whole lot of full art. They've got 10 new full art lands. Uh, They've got a a couple of different art styles for same cards. They're going to have, I think, three different art styles for their various card releases. They got five new commander decks that they're going to be coming out with. And yeah, it's a new Magic the Gathering is always exciting. I feel like they kind of have sped up the rate at which they've been releasing new Magic the Gathering sets. Obviously, I mean, it's exceptionally more popular. They can make a lot of money. Uh, The art on it is lovely. The power creep. Um, We'll get into this a little bit later, but some people are complaining a little bit about the Magic of the Gathering power creep that may or may not be happening. Mm Um, but yeah, New Magic the Gathering setting. Check it out if you're into it. Next. Next, uh, Dungeons and Dragons Online. Oops. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons Online marks the 16th anniversary and permanently unlocks more races and classes for free. Basically, uh, in the uh, 
53rd update. Um, that was, I believe, a week ago. Yeah, a week ago. At the time of recording, a week ago. When you hear it, it'll be two and a half weeks, I think. Something anyway, like um, yeah, with, uh, with the 53rd update, Hunters and Hunted... This is the return of anniversary events to celebrate the 16th year of uh, Dungeons & Dragons Online and includes several races and classes from the core D&D Player's Handbook have now been permanently unlocked for everyone. Um, this will also uh, include um, two new dungeons uh, at, that end at a level 32 rate at a legendary difficulty and include quests in the content that are 7, are seven level on heroic difficulty We've never played this. Nope. Uh, I played I played RuneScape back in the day, MMORPG, but uh, never never D and D online. If that's if you're into if you're into your MMORPGs, your Final Fantasy fourteen, your your uh, your World of Warcraft, your RuneScape, etc., and so on, and you're into D and D. You might be into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to specify, the races that are unlocked are the Dragonborn, Drow, Gnome, Half-Elf, Half-Orc, Tiefling, and Wood Elf. And the newly unlocked classes are Druid, Monk, and Warlock. Uh, if you have already purchased these races or classes, you will get a Greater Elixir of Discovery for every one that you owned prior to the release of Update 53. Cool, I cool. guess. Yeah. If, you're, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, maybe I, I, I like I like I like that if you have already bought them, you don't just get nothing. Yeah, you get something. I don't know what this elixir of greater discovery is, or greater elixir of discovery, is. Sounds neat, but maybe maybe at some point if we if uh, if we start doing like a little more full time with this, that would be that could be something we do is we stream some uh, we stream some D and D online uh, D Dungeons and Dragons online. Man, I don't. I don't know if I have the mental wherewithal to do a an MMORPG again. RuneScape enveloped my life for middle school for like four years. You just it gotta, was... you gotta, you gotta, um, gotta like <sighs> dole it out in small doses. I guess, I guess. It's like that time when we, when, when you had COVID, so we did nothing but play Apex for two weeks. That's we were awesome. pretty, I was pretty burnt on Apex for a good three or four weeks after that. Yeah, and that was, and that was two weeks. Imagine if that's just what we did. <laughs> Damn. All right, last news item for the wrap-up. Magic the Gathering has a new ban list across several different formats this time. Uh, on March 7th, Wizards of the Coast announced that it has bans and restrictions as usual, though there is a very heavy emphasis on bans and literally no restrictions at all. Uh, additionally, while there are normally at least one or two entries for Standard, the most popular tournament format, the latest announcement includes updates to Pioneer, Modern, and Popper instead. Most notably, the card Loris of the Dream Den is banned in both Pioneer and Modern, effective immediately on March 7th, and they are not the first formats to see a ban of Loris in general. Uh, the banned cards include, of course, Loris of the Dream Den, banned in Pioneer and Modern. In Popper, Galvanic Relay is banned, Disciple of the Vault is banned, and Expedition Map is banned as well. Additionally, Magic the Gathering's newest set, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, is currently out in the next set. Streets of New Capenna, as we discussed previously, going to be releasing in the very near future. Uh, this ban list is very different in that they're banning non-standard formats uh which is abnormal 
um, no restrictions at all. It just seems a bit weird that these much lesser played formats that don't really have tournaments associated with them are getting ban lists at all. Ever since the... I, I could be speaking out of my ass here because I only vaguely understand. But like the the newer Theros set, so not the Theros from like 2015, 2014, um, but the newer Theros set uh, on with the D&D and the, the Vampire 1 Crimson Vows. Um, those sets, a lot of people have been complaining that they have a very heavy power creep in them. Mm-hmm. Particularly the D&D set and introduced a couple new styles of cards and mechanics that incorporate the d20 a whole lot make it thematic with D, but the power creep is is real i can say from my anecdotal experience of playing magic the gathering arena um just playing matches there's a lot of D cards that are being thrown about just because they are very very efficient hmm. um i'm not in the magic the gathering community heavily at all yeah but new band list be made aware of New set that's currently out, Neon Dynasty. And then upcoming, of course, the Streets of New Capenna. Hopefully they don't get a little too wild. They might they, they might wild themselves out. Yeah. Because I can already say that as a fairly novice Magic the Gathering player, it is very dense to get into Magic the Gathering. Yeah, I get that. I, I, I vaguely, vaguely, vaguely in high school got into it. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like, I mean... We love D and D. We love board games. We love card games, mm-hmm. and and things like Magic: The Gathering, and also like I'm also uh, you know I think uh, uh, Warhammer is neat, but there's a there are a lot to get into both games just based on you know how long people have been playing and all the all the sets and all the rules that you can include in both of these games and and yeah. plenty others. Yeah, um, I I got into Magic: The Gathering a little bit back in 2014. Uh, my freshman year of college, um, our RA was a big Magic the Gathering fan, and he got us into it shortly before the pre-release events for Theros, and we did a local game shop pre-release event for Theros that was the like a Greek god setting. There's also a Theros uh, campaign setting for D&D. Um, that's one of the ones that we don't have that I've been wanting to get, because <laughs> I really like the Greek aesthetic. Yeah. Um, but we got into, th- and then like as Theros was going on, uh, we kind of fell out before the next release. I don't even remember what was after that. And then this year, I got into Magic: The Gathering Arena for about a month and a half, two months. Um, the tutorials in Magic: The Gathering Arena are really good at teaching a lot of the base mechanics, uh, a lot of the base uh, card attributes like Life Link and Trample and that kind of stuff. But once you play through those tutorial matches and you get a whole lot of just free cards Mm -hmm. and a lot of pre-made decks so you can figure out how things are supposed to work and kind of play around with them and then start building your own. After that, um, you're going to encounter a lot of the same kinds of decks because of the free cards that they give everyone are the same. Um, And there's a couple of very meta options that are abundantly clear uh, that you get most of the cards from these base packs. And then the like really power users, a lot of them are were not running a whole lot of Crimson Val when Crimson Val was new. A lot of them are running the D&D set. And a lot of the mechanics there are different and unique 
and they don't have a tutorial for. Hmm. Um, the idea of entering the dungeon and having a dungeon card and spending mana to enter the dungeon and then getting stacking effects and different eff- and it's it gets very very complicated very quickly. Uh, the D and D set is cool. A lot of the art is fantastic. It's very thematic. It's wonderful, but. Matchup gathering is not very easy to get into, and what we've seen so far of Streets of New Capenna and what we've seen from Neon Dynasty is if you're not already kind of into it and got sucked in, it's going to get harder to get into it. That I feel like that should be a big push for Wizards of the Coast to try and find. Uh, Magic the Gathering Arena is kind of that. Easy entry point. An easy entry point, but it very quickly gets overwhelming and that's kind of what stopped me from continuing to play it um and it's also what stopped me from buying the actual real D set and wanting to collect it just because i enjoy collecting things and yeah. i thought it'd be fun content um i just knew that i wouldn't stick with magic the gathering because it's there's too much going on kind of like the same with Yu-Gi-Oh. yeah how Yu-Gi-Oh has evolved so heavily from when we played it as kids and now you've got like synchro summons and XE summons and all these other crazy shit that's going on. And so many decks are built around the one turn crazy stupid setup that the standard summon a normal monster or something face down in defense and then set a card and then end your turn is not going to do you any good anymore. Yeah. Um, I remember I remember seeing a TikTok of uh, a Yu-Gi-Oh creator. Um, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks, but where he just uh, all he did was narrate as he watched this guy play, and basically, yeah, first turn the dude burned his whole deck to get out Exodia. Yep. I mean, that's not an easy thing. You have no. to have a little bit of luck, but but you can set you. I mean, yeah, it's it. Don't get me wrong; it's it's really cool when to see people do that. Like, that's that's a like people have worked really hard to make, be able to do that. Um. And I guess we kind of see that in in our in our main main fandom as well, which is D and D, of course. Um, the, the power gamers, because this is ostensibly a D and D podcast. Ostensibly, um, but yeah, there's so like I get it. There are just looking at our books. There are so many books. There's so many third party things, and uh, we kind of mentioned earlier at the beginning of the podcast we had one go viral way more than we were expecting it. And while a lot of the comments were, I'd love to join in, that sounds like fun, or tagging other people to be like, hey, we should get our campaign get back together. There were also a huge amount that was like, I don't know how to get into D&D. Can you teach me how to play D&D? Um, and as much as I would love to teach everyone on the internet, on the internet how to play D&D, oh yeah, which we might want to file that away. There's like a long form series of how to play. There's a lot of great oh, how there's to play a D&D huge amount video of- series online. Uh, one of my favorite is, uh, I believe it's Don't Stop Talking. It's like this animated thing. That's how I learned how to play D&D. Very good. Um, you know, we might want to throw our own hat into that ring. Yeah, we could absolutely start doing a, a series like that. But yeah, uh, there were a lot of people who were like, I would love to learn to play, but it looks intimidating. It feels gatekeepy, which there is a problem with that out there. Yeah. But, but uh, I, I would almost hazard to say i could be completely wrong in saying this but i would hazard to say that D the community is doing a is is doing its best to go out there and start to, and and weed out a lot of the gatekeeping and a lot yeah. of the negative um nerd community aspects around D specifically as i joked in one of the comments the only gatekeeping around here 
is the NPC guard that you rolled a two on persuasion against to get around. Yeah. That's the only gatekeeping going on here. Well, those are all the topics that we have to discuss. We're almost at an hour. Do we have any questions from the TikTok Live? Because yet again, even though we've had several people join our Discord recently, which we thank you all very much, uh, no questions in the Discord this week. Yeah. We did have uh, we did have a conversation where uh, 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 a poster asked about um, some issues he was having in his D&D group, and we were both very delighted to see that the, some other members of our Discord jumped yeah. in. and, and Immediately. Some, yeah. Um, if you have any issues with your group or wanting to learn how to play D and D, or uh, there's our, our our community, though very small, very small, though very small, we have some very helpful and very kind people in our Discord server. Um, I want to shout out one of our friends, one of our one of our internet friends, role playing degenerates. Yeah, he 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 immediately jumped on to help this guy out. If you if you want to learn how to play D and D, if you want to like you know. Hit up the Discord. I'm sure. I'm sure that there's someone in there that would be more than happy to sit down for an hour and a half and do a quick little one-on-one how to play D and D session. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done one-on-one how to play D and D sessions with our friends before. Yeah. They're very fun. Or it was more like two-on-one. Well, we've two done player, both. Two players, one DM. Well, I've done both. Yeah. Um, it's a know, good time. Maybe that's something we could talk about. We are so we are almost at fifteen thousand followers on TikTok. Yeah. Maybe that's something we could talk about in the future is when we start hitting some follower goals or maybe do that for our YouTube instead, uh, uh, offer up some, uh, some of our time, um, yeah, to the, the people that join our discord. All right. Um, anyway, over to the TikTok live, um, we have Zabu Samori, uh, Zabu asks, D uh, Pathfinder or D and D proper preference? Pathfinder, I do not have a lot of experience with. Uh, from what I understand, it's kind of like old, somewhat similar to older editions of D&D where it's hyper-customizable. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that too much customizability is to the detriment of a system. And I think the reason that Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition has exploded so much is because it is so accessible and easy to digest for new players. Yeah, but the depth is there for people that want to. That is definitely one of the goals, was to make it more about the role-playing and more easily acceptable or easily digestible. Um, there are There is a huge fan base for Pathfinder, and um, we are we are strong proponents of uh, both. But both. If something's not working for you in 5e, yeah, go check out Pathfinder. Or maybe go check out Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah. There's a lot of really cool, smaller um, RPG systems. Like, uh, oh, what was that one uh, Critical Role one? Was it Cinder Hearts? Cinder Hearts, yeah. That's fun. Uh, we have, what do we have? We, we have, have Kids on Brooms. Kids on Brooms. Which there's also a Kids on Bikes, which is more representative of like a Hogwarts scenario or a... Um, Stranger Things. Stranger Things was Kids on Bikes, yeah. Uh, we have uh, the Bunkers and Badasses. Yeah, that's from uh, Borderlands. Borderlands. Yeah, there's a lot of RPG systems out there. Uh, there's a Lord of the Rings official one. Mm-hmm. Um, there, Star Wars official. There's a Star Wars official one. And then there's versions of all of those that are 5e compatible for D&D as well. Mm-hmm. So just take a look. Don't feel beholden to any one RPG system. We love D&D. It's very popular. It's large. It's got a massive community. But you will find you'll find a good RPG, a good sized RPG, a very passionate RPG community for any of these systems. Yeah. Uh, and I would I would I would I would 
I would be down if we had free time to dive into some other RPG systems, but maybe that's something we'll start doing. Like we said, we're we're hoping to get uh, some stream stuff going here in the next couple of months. Ah, but uh, that's a lot. But yeah, <laughs> well, just to say, like one, do some one shots. Maybe we have things. other. We have a couple of DMs who are interested in doing some stuff with you know our friends who are interested in doing stuff. Maybe if they want to run a, if they are interested in running a one shot for ten candles or. Uh, example which is a horror a horror mystery based yeah system. I, I, I will not be participating in that one thank you very much mm. um anyway <laughs> moving on uh gm uh gmin j gmin j says i love tiered feats this is back when we were talking about the ua oh yes um that it tiered feet it's a system that they haven't incorporated yet into fifth edition and my initial thoughts are that's really cool but a little limiting. If the base, if the base like prerequisite feats are good, then I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. But if the base prerequisite feats are kind of lackluster, um, then you know it might be like, are you giving these out for free at the beginning of a campaign? Are are you forcing your players to take them at their first ASI, which means cool, powerful feats they won't even have access to till like level eight? Yeah, it's all going to. It's really going to yeah. depend on. Um, a lot. I, uh, uh, we're gonna jump ahead in the future here, but a lot on the 5.5. Yeah. How Wizards design or you know redesigns things from 5e into 5.5, and if they don't change the rules at all for feats right now, as it is raw, mm-hmm. it's not gonna work as well. But if they start encouraging feats to be given out more freely and more openly, yeah. I think that's definitely a. Uh, uh, how we'll see this sort of thing come out more often. Make make more of like an explicit uh, mechanical way to spend like downtime to get feats, or the idea of give everyone a, a, a base level like initiate level feat for free at the beginning, sort of a thing. And that's kind of what it looks like. This Dragonlance UA is leaning towards as well. Um, GM Gmin J also says, "I love that they have feats that require you to be part of an organization." Yeah, also Get, fe- feats tied into backgrounds. Yeah, uh, we saw that in Strixhaven as well. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. They, yeah, that first happened in Strixhaven, where you you pick your you pick your college. We have an entire episode on Strixhaven as well. I liked that episode a lot. Right up there, it'll appear right up there. Though the TikTok live won't see that, and the YouTube has not our faces on it, so it won't see me pointing. We'll we'll link it. We'll link it, uh, probably. Make it make a note of this when you're listening no, to it later, no, no, no. and then we'll we'll mark it. Um, yeah, we have an entire episode on Strixhaven and having to choose your magical school, and then getting just free like the backgrounds had the feats kind of integrated into the background to make mm-hmm. it easier for fifth edition. Like all of the backgrounds have features, but most of those features rarely, if ever, come up. Yeah. And these are more actual, like, mechanical, pay attention, you use this on a daily basis kind of feature. Uh, And then you can grow on those features as you progress through the adventure. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. it's a good time. Check it out if you're into it. It's out right now. Jimin J then goes uh, on to talk. We were talking about the fact that we haven't read the Dragonlance novels. Uh, Jimin J says, also, there are, like, 150-plus Dragonlance novels. Catching up would take forever. Yeah, I. Yeah, Dragonlance is a lot, but it lo- it always sounds so fucking cool. I just 
can't yeah do that right now like maybe a book but then i would i would be afraid i would like it too much and want to go down that rabbit hole they need why don't we have a fucking like game of thrones style uh lord of the rings uh rings of power style dragonlance show i don't know get on that witches of the coast we'll take our cut Maybe that's something to do if uh, if we ever go f- you know quit our jobs and go full time doing this whole D and D on the internet thing. We could uh, make a whole series out of reading the Dragonlance books. Maybe. Of course, that's years down the line. That's a that's far that's a, far a, beyond our purview a, of uh, attention span being ten minutes. Free time being ten minutes. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, Skittles the idiot Aww. says face with sunglasses, face with sunglasses, face with sunglasses. Which I think is cool in emoji speak. I mean, we are pretty cool. I oh, sorry. I'm pretty cool. No one said that. I did. I mean, you're no one. Um, uh, friend of the show, Dustin Blunt Seven. Ah, uh, I don't know what a blunt is. Right. I don't know what a blunt is. Uh, Dustin Blunt Seven says, "Hello, gentlemen. Good to see you. Love your content. Keep it up." Uh, Dustin, glad you were able to hop into chat today. Love yeah. to see you in yeah, there. Keep keep it up. Are you in the Discord? You should join the Discord server. Link in the link tree in the bio, as well as the description of the YouTube video. Not in the podcast services around the globe, though, sadly. No. Oh, we didn't do we didn't do any of the, well, we'll the rundown the, of things at the beginning. We'll do it at the wrap. Or you can pop them in the beginning. Yeah, don't tell me what to do. I'm not going to do that. I'm not, no, I'm not telling you. I'm just saying you could. I need to... We need to... Yeah. For, for our six-month uh, uh, self-assessment format... Format. We need to work on format. <laughs> yeah. We just kind of, we, 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 I like the rolling start, but we just kind of go <laughs> and forget things a lot. It happens. It'd be it like happens. that. It'd be like that. Um, then Dustin Blunt also, uh, when Jester hopped up on the table, says kitty with yes. a emoji of a cat. Yes, she is. She is taking a nap right now on the table. Oftentimes she doesn't like to join us up here, but... I think she was frustrated by the lack of hair ties because I picked one up and mm-hmm. I just kind of slowly. Okay, cool. She didn't react when I dropped that on the ground. That's good. Anyway, that's uh, that's all that we have in the chat currently. That's all we got. That's all we got. All right. Well, uh, next week we're going to talk about this uh, UA for Dragonlance. Uh, actually get a deep dive into it uh, once we've had a chance to thoroughly look through it and mm-hmm. gather our thoughts uh, and talk about it in general. Um after that, we'll probably do Call of the Nether Deep. Uh, we might do a little first thoughts on Call of the Nether Deep next week as well. Yep. Um, I'm, I, it is it is mildly frustrating. Like uh, we like these things come out and then it takes us a while to talk about them. But I would argue. I also I'm of like two minds because it's frustrating that we can't like immediately like be out there talking about it. But I think it's good that we get time to like digest. Yeah. Figure out our thoughts on it and like actually be able to have a good discussion about it. Um, and our time is limited. Our time is limited. If we were doing this weekly, it'd be a lot easier to get all the stuff in, but yeah. um, we're not going to do that. <laughs> not yet. If it reaches the point where we can hire our friend Andy to edit the podcast, um, and then we can just do this and mm-hmm. then give it to him and then get it back magically, uh, then I would be more willing and more, able yeah. to do this on a weekly basis. So uh, uh, send a letter to your state representative. Saying yeah. that you want us to do uh, weekly editions of this show. Yeah. Don't don't write about not wanting to use Russian oil. 
Don't write about you, the inflation rate. Don't write about your uh, power companies uh, doubling your electric bills. Write to them about us doing the podcast weekly. Yep. Um, write to them that we should do. Uh, uh, we should get a, a support tier going and do an additional podcast every couple of weeks for those that are supporting us. Yeah. A sort of. A sort of. Uh, I don't. I don't know what we would call it. That's the thing. This podcast doesn't really have a name. It's just the Dungeon Bros podcast. Dungeon Bros podcast. We really need like a sub, a subtext or a subline. Yeah. Um, yeah. We would need it. Uh, there's a trend right now of podcasts being the like insert name, a blank and blank podcast, like Dungeon Bros, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Or if we were to do an extra one, we could be like Dungeon Bros After Dark, a Dungeons and Dragons supplement podcast. You know. I think we need to be a little more descriptive. Be like a Dungeons I mean, and Dragons news release podcast. Because yeah, that's what we mostly talk. Well, we're we're workshop, con- it but it's because be it's not a it's not a lot it's not an actual play. Which I think a lot of the podcasts out there are just actual plays. That is true. I, that, I, I feel like I feel like that might be hindering us a little bit. Is that, that we we're not an actual play? No, that we're not specifying. Oh, yes. that we're not an actual play podcast. Because there's a million there's a million actual play podcasts out there, um, and we want to create an actual play stream of our own that mm-hmm. we could release in podcast form yeah which we might maybe take note Dodie, take that down if you like us you probably have found us on tiktok you can follow us there where almost fifteen thousand of you already do yeah. you can subscribe to us on youtube where almost a hundred of you already do uh we have a, a video up that we just posted to our youtube talking about our free uh march release for homebrew we're talking a couple feats mm-hmm. We were talking about feats earlier today. We're a big fan of feats. Big fan of feats. You big fan know. of feats. Uh, if you like free homebrew, you can hit up our drive through RPG link in link tree of the TikTok, as well as the description of the YouTube video of this podcast. Not in the podcast services around the globe: Apple, Google, Spotify, Plex, Mini Fridge. Where you can also find us. You can also find us, but you, there's not links there. No, They're but if you want to listen, if you want to listen, that's a good listen. It's a good listen. listen. Yeah. it's much more convenient than having the YouTube app open. Right. You pay for the premium and then you have to it's a whole thing yeah just spotify we're free take us on the go listen to us yep. in the car yep you can follow us on twitter at dungeon bros yt mm-hmm. uh in in the coming months we're going to have a very big 5e supplement on blood magic using hit dice to fuel features for several subclasses several spells several features uh magic items mm-hmm. lore stat blocks the whole nine yards. If you're into that, it'll be uh, four ninety nine or pay what you want on Drive Through RPG. Uh, at- oh, no, 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 no. Pay what you want and insinuates they'd be free. It's four. It's you say it and so it's and up. If they want to pay us ten dollars, if, if you want to pay us ten dollars for the supplement, yeah. I mean, but pay what you want. Sadly, you it allows you. It, I don't think it lets you set a minimum. Maybe on the back end. I don't know. I'll need to look into that. I'm pretty sure you can do. You can do four nine. I'm pretty sure you can do a minimum or what you want. Minimum up. or above. Um, uh, if you want a complimentary copy of this supplement, we are going to be giving away probably three or five copies. Um, with we'll, we'll divide it as either two and one or three and two, depending on how many. Uh, the larger half going to our Discord server. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are a member there and you are not a personal friend of ours, <laughs> personal friends of ours will just be getting them. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if you are a member of our Discord server there, then you'll have a chance to get it. Um, and if you, we'll probably post a video on TikTok or something. Uh, if you, if you watch it, then it'll be like a like, comment, share, follow 
thing and we'll pick someone deal and we'll pick a couple from the comments for free to dm uh also if you have a favorite DD content creator on the youtubes or the tiktoks you can feel free to put them in the comments of any of our videos dm us on twitter tweet at us whatever uh because we want to hand out as many complimentary copies to DD content creators as possible spread the love uh, same with if you are an artist or know an artist that would love to do some uh, blood magic-y art for this, uh, Ooh, yes. uh, jump into our Discord and let us know. And uh, that's where we're really, we would really like to start is is people who are in our, our small community. We would love to commission you first before we go to the general populace. Yeah, I put out a tweet just kind of get feelers out. And there were a lot of random people that were just DMing, being like, hey, hire me, hire me, hire me. And it's like, all right, well. I get it. They, they have to grind. I get it. I, get it. I, I respect the grind. Mm-hmm. I respect the grind. A lot of them felt like bots. Probably. Some of them felt like bots. Probably were. Probably, probably. I mean, they probably have it set up so anybody who does that, they automatically get messages like Maybe. that. Maybe. It felt, it felt body. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we didn't really talk about this because it's not really our purview, but I'll say uh, hearts go out to Ukrainians. Stay safe out there. It's fucked up. Mm-hmm. It's really fucked up. Yeah. Um, Jester would give you pets and hope that makes you feel a little better. Yep. Uh, there, you can search out any resources you want for, we're not going to provide any. That's not really our place. Yep. We're not Ukrainians. Um, love them. Great people. In the meantime, the next episode, we'll be talking about the UA for Dragonlance. Episode after that, oh, episode after that, we're going to be talking about Call of the Nether Deep, the Critical Role adventure. It'll be a bit of a spoiler cast, so if you don't want to be spoiled on the adventure, <laughs> you know, don't watch. We'll give you a warning on that one. Uh, other than that, yeah. In the I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go make some lunch. I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm gonna do that too. So in the meantime, peace. <laughs>